Happy Mother's Day. And uh, what a glimpse into the heart of the Savior. Amen? Amen. We got a lot to celebrate today. Today's Mother's Day, but we also get to celebrate, you know, I don't think the church is doing it enough. And we got a glimpse into the future of um, the protection of women and men in the womb. Right? Hallelujah. Right? And what this means is that we will no longer be a goat nation. It means it's going to be kicked back if everything happens as what was leaked, kicked back to the states. And states now will be either sheep sheep states or goat states. And that's, that's, that's important. And it's up to us to make sure that our state, the place that we have authority, becomes a sheep state. Amen? This is huge. This is, this is something that's been prayed for forever. And do you know why this is happening? It's because once again, science caught up with the Bible. Science has proved that it's an individual living person in the womb, just as the Bible has always declared. And that, and that, so what does this mean? This means that we need to give to organizations like Positive Alternatives. We need, we need, the church needs to rise up and come alongside um, women and men that find themselves in a crisis pregnancy and don't know what to do and support them. Amen? Amen. This is a great opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ to shine like it, like it hasn't in, in a long time. So we need to be excited about that. You need, you, you, you need to educate yourself on those things. Because there is many in the body of Christ that have become hard-hearted, calloused. And, and, and do not understand the sanctity of life. Amen. All I can. Well, I won't get there. Thanks, mom. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in a series, a series dedicated to women, the gospel to women. The word gospel means what? Good news. So it's good news towards women, to women, and uh, with anything. Um, you, you ever hear that saying, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Well, that's the same way you eat a religious cow. You eat a religious cow just one bite at a time. And the way that I do ser- series, it, it, it's, I don't jump on all the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the things that stick out. For instance... We've had, as we're going through the series, we've got questions starting to come in. And and, uh, people are asking questions and stuff like that. And last week, we talked about where this stigma, where this idea of women being less than men came from. And we found it came from the Greek philosophers, right? The Athenians. And... uh, 
And Jesus never taught that. And actually, that's what this whole message today is going to be looking at, is exactly what Jesus did in a time where the Jews and the Romans both looked down at women as, le- as basically pro- property. And just this, what we've seen in this video just a second ago just shows you how Jesus broke all these barriers. But what, so we're going to tackle, we're going to tackle the, the tough things that, um, that seemingly seem to be contradictory to what Jesus is doing. For instance, for instance uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it, Paul writes in there that women aren't allowed to speak in church and they should be taught by their husbands at home and that stuff. And we're going to jump, don't worry, I, I'm a pastor, I know, I know it's in there. And, and we're going we're gonna to tackle that full bore. And what I like doing when I teach messages, what I like doing is I like to get you to question. I don't like just saying, this is what you need to believe. We, we are building something. It's just like, just like in a story or anything, you're, you're cl- there's a climax. You know? We've got to build tension. And uh, um, so when we get to there, we've already covered all this stuff and then, Wow. So we're going to look at that in, in, in the coming weeks, and I'll just give you a heads up, and you need to go read the chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, read the whole book of 1 Corinthians, and you'll, what you're going to find out is that Paul is actually saying the complete opposite of what some people have interpreted it to say. I, I, I don't want to spoil this. So that's, no, that's a whole message, so. I don't want to give it away, but it's exciting, amen? So here we are. Jesus has entered the world, and when Jesus entered the world, it was not a world that was kind to women. It was not kind to women. As a matter of fact, the tradition tradition of the Jewish leaders and the governing authority of Rome both seen women as second-class citizens. Most of this mindset came from the philosophies of men, namely Greek, the Greek Athenians, and this is why Paul wrote so strongly about um, do, not, um, uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind and, and cast down those vain imaginations and, and um, be transformed into the mind of Christ rather than the philosophies of men. Right, And by the time Jesus walked the earth, gender in, uh, in inequality was so entrenched in the Jewish society that an adulteress could be stoned without a trial. Men could divorce their wives for virtually any reason. In a nation of God-fearing and self-righteous men, women were considered little more than property. Women were not much more than servants whose place was in the home or in the fields. And they were not allowed to be taught the Torah. They weren't allowed to be taught the Bible of Jesus' day. And because they were viewed as untrustworthy, their testimony had little value in the court of law. Think about this. This this was the atmosphere when Jesus showed up. This is the atmosphere. And along came Jesus preaching Jesus. The good news. See, Jesus encountered all types of women. He, he encountered good women, and he encountered bad women. 
But like the Athenians and the rabbis, he never dis, um, he never dismin, dismin, diminished their humanity. Jesus treated them with respect and kindness. When Jesus included women in his ministry, he was giving us a prophetic picture of the kingdom that was to come. Do, re, do you guys remember that in the beginning, God created them male and female, right? And he, he gave them authority over the earth to rule, to reign, and take dominion, both male and female. Then the fall happened. I can't teach the last two weeks all over again. Then the fall happened. So everything be, between, before the fall, from the fall to Jesus, you see the fall, sin, in operation. You see sin in operation. And we, must, we, must need, we need to make sure that we do not create our worldview through the fall, but through the gospel of Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Yeah, I'll say it for you. Amen. All right? He, what Jesus was showing the world when he, he brought women into his ministry was how it was always meant to be. Gene Edwards said to see how Jesus treated women is to understand what God thinks of women. See, Jesus did not conform to the practices of his day. Instead, he empowered and elevated women, and that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at what Jesus did when he was on the earth. The very first thing is that you see that Jesus did is that he welcomed women. Jesus welcomed women. In Jesus' day, women could not enter the best parts of the temple. They had to sit apart in the synagogue. The religious segregation conveyed an unholy message. When it comes to God, men get the preferential treatment. Think about that. The religious system was set up to make women feel that they were less than men. If a woman wanted to approach God, they needed a male, a male priest to show them the way. If you had no man, you had no God. And then Jesus came preaching. And what did Jesus come preach? In Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to, who, who's included in all? All. See, the, the law of Moses specified that only certain men from a certain tribe under certain circumstances could minister to the Lord. But Jesus re- received all who would come to them, whether they were male, whether they were female, whether they were old, whether they were young, whether they were rich, whether they were poor. In John chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus says, All that the Father gives me, will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will no means cast out. Anyone that came to Jesus, the Father gave to Jesus, and Jesus says, I will not reject anyone. How about those that didn't come to Jesus? Well, Jesus went to them. 
He went to a Samaria, Samaria to chat with a woman with a bad reputation. He went to Bethany to spend time with Mary and Martha. Jesus even preached in the woman's court at the temple. Think about that. That's where the widow with two mites threw the money in the treasury. And Jesus was there. Jesus also preached in the Gentile area of the temple. That's where he overturned the tables of the money changers. See, Jesus not only preached radical acceptance, but he preached in radical places that most religious leaders wouldn't even go. Understand, before Jesus, the message to women was you are unworthy, stay back, but Jesus proclaimed your heavenly Father loves you, draw near. Completely opposite. And what kind of, what kind of, what, <laughs> what kind of message are we giving the world? Is it a message of God's rejecting you, stay back? Or is it a message of God loves you, draw near? Jesus also talked to women. During this time, women were not supposed to talk to men who weren't their husbands. Do you know that if you had a dinner party in your own home, the woman that probably prepared the dinner was not even able to sit at the dinner table and eat? That was just for the men. The, Jew, the, the Jewish sages said that when a woman talked to a man, she looked like an adulterer. And they actually taught men that they could actually go to hell for talking to a woman. There, there, there's even, there's even um, instances that are written in, in uh, different uh, commentaries, Jewish commentaries, of some, some religious leaders would actually, when they would walk by women, they would close their eyes so that they wouldn't even acknowledge that they were there, and they would actually run into things and bloody themselves because of, because of their ignorance. And what Jesus did, Jesus ignored the rabbis and their rules. And he would speak to any woman that would speak to him. Jesus made time for them and conversed with them. And not just Jewish women, but also foreign women, unclean women, sinful women, even women caught in the very act of adultery. See, what we need to understand is that the Jews had never seen a man like this. They had never seen a man like Jesus. Do you understand how radical Jesus was? How the traditions of men he trampled on. Not, it, it, not just in the area of women, but in so many areas. Jesus was radical. He was brave. And they killed him for it. He not only talked to women, but he physically touched them. And he befriended them. His friendship with Mary and Martha was no secret at all. When the women, woman with the alabaster jar poured perfume on his feet, he didn't recoil at her touch, but he allowed her to minister to him. These were, all, these were all rules and laws 
and cultural norms that Jesus broke. In Luke chapter 13, verse 10, it says, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called to her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. See, we read this, and all we see is the miracle. But you do, we do not see, because we weren't in that type of culture, we don't see all the laws and the rules that Jesus broke. Jesus seen this woman as he was teaching. And because of culture, she had to be on the other side of a dividing wall in the synagogue. The women were separated in another part of the synagogue. So as he's teaching, he sees this woman separated in the synagogue, and the Son of God fixes his gaze on her, and he encouraged her to step out from the man-made barrier by simply saying, woman, come. Two simple words. Two simple words came from our Savior's mouth, but it was like a wrecking ball. The broken woman heard the Savior's call. She came forward and received her healing. Amen? Jesus defended women. Remember the, the crippled woman we just re read about that Jesus healed? Well, this woman found her voice and started praising God. Her bondage has, had come to an end, right? She glorified God, it said. She started praising God in the midst. I picture Jesus celebrating with her. I, I picture Jesus celebrating and praising God. I, see, I picture Jesus just grabbing hold of this woman and starting to dance with her as she jumped up and down. A woman that was not able to stand up straight for 18 years. Heaven came to earth that day. But what was the synagogue ruler's reaction? Well, he was offended by this. He was offended that Jesus actually talked to a woman. In Luke chapter 13, verse 14, it says, But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. What was he answering? He was answering what was happening. And, 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 and because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, and he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. Verse 15, And the Lord answered him and said, Hypocrite! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to, wa to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosed from this bondage on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoiced for the glorious things that had been done by him. What do you think the women's section of the synagogue sounded like? Whenever Jesus encountered woman, a woman who was being bullied or oppressed, he stood up for them. 
He warned people against looking at women with lustful eyes. He put himself between an angry mob and a woman caught in adultery. He defended a woman with bad reputation that anointed him with perfume. When a woman with the issue of blood violated all the rules regarding ceremonial cleanliness, Jesus did not condemn her for her ritual impurity, but he called her daughter and sent her away in peace. Jesus opposed wife ditching. See, in this patriarchal culture, patriarchal culture that the fall created, the culture of ancient Israel, there was a law found in Deuteronomy 24, verse 1, that said a man could divorce his wife if she no longer found favor in his eyes and was found to be unclean. So basically, if she got old and wrinkly, he could trade her up for a younger model. And of course, they, they just continued to add to this. And by the, time, um, by the time of Jesus, the rabbis and the sages had added multiple more reasons for divorcing your wife. If she talked too loud, if her, lo- her voice was too loud, you could divorce her. If she cooked you an untied meat, you could divorce her. Um, if she talked to a man in public, you could divorce her. If she didn't produce children within 10 years, you could divorce her. You could divorce her from breaking the commandment to be fruitful and multiply. That was their reasoning behind that. If she went to a friend's feast after you told her that she could not, you could divorce her. These laws were unfair towards women, and Jesus hated these laws. In Mark chapter 10, verse 5, it says, But Jesus said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, male and female, he made them. Jesus took it back to what? Before the fall. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. They shall become a partner, so that they are no more two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no one put asunder. See, they were interpreting the laws of Moses in a way that was harmful to women. And Jesus' response was by reminding his listeners that divorce undermines God's plan for partnership. It was not that way in the beginning, Jesus says. And, and, and in the preceding verse, it says that the Pharisees asked him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? And they were trying him, right? And he, and he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and put her away. What was their question? Is it a right to put, for a man to put his wife away? What's that mean? That means kick her out of the house. To dump her. Is it right for a man to do that? And he says, well, what did Moses say? He says, well, you got it. you're supposed to give them a letter of divorce divorcement, and then put her away. See, this is the problem that, that we're facing. Um, that that, that Jesus, Jesus was, was, was confronting here is that they were just putting them away without giving them a letter of divorcement. They weren't doing the legal things to set her free. And because they did that, 
by just putting her away without giving her the legal letter of divorcement, if she remarried, she was called an adulterer. She was not free to remarry. The Jews call this, a, this letter of divorcement a get. Have you ever heard of that? It's a, it's a get. And Jesus spoke up for abandoning wives by branding their deadbeat husbands as lawbreakers. Think about that. Jesus was confronting this, these men. You're breaking the law by just, by just um, putting your wife away without giving her the letter of divorcement. How would you like to have been one of those God-fearing, upstanding Jewish men and being called an adulterer? Because he not only he goes on to say, not only is she an adulterer if she remarries, but so are you if you remarry. See, it's not about if you get a divorce and get remarried that you're an adulterer. It was because they didn't give a letter of divorcement to make it legal. That's, that's all, that's, that's, that explains a lot right there. And do you know, you know that this problem of wife abandonment was not resolved until 2012 when Israel's parliament ruled that a husband that wishes to divorce his wife must provide a get within 45 days. It took 2,000 years for the world to catch up with Jesus. Jesus told stories about women. In a male-dominated world of, of the Bible, women were largely invisible. They were actors with no lines on, on the stage of humanity, right? Men had all the speaking parts, and they just had supporting roles. But Jesus took the marginalized woman and made them the main players in many of his parables. You've got to understand, that this wasn't done in Jesus' times. In one, Jesus compared the kingdom of heaven as a woman working yeast into her dough, right? In another, all heaven rejoices over a repented sinner, which is compared to the joy a woman has in finding a misplaced coin. Think about this. this Jesus is given parables of what the kingdom of heaven is like, and he's comparing um, someone coming to God. And, and there's a coin that a woman lost in her home. She sweeps she searches all over in her home for this lost coin. Who is the lost coin? Who's the lost? Come out. This is Jesus. Who is the lost coin? We are. Who is the woman that is searching for that lost coin? God. Jesus actually compared God to a woman. And if you don't think this is a big deal, we still struggle with today. The movie The Shack came out a couple of years ago, and people were upset because three-quarters of the movie, God was, in, was portrayed as a black woman. I want you to know something. Without women, you do not have a full picture of God. We were both created, male and female, he created them in his image. It takes a woman and a man to see the full attributes of who God is. 
Ah, yeah. Oh, I don't. You don't hear this here, but the gospel—it just—it it changes, changed everything. So this woman finds this misplaced coin, and it says that all heaven rejoices. And the, he also told a parable of the wise and foolish virgins, and one of the great, greatest uh, stereotype-breaking, culture-breaking. Um, parables was was the uh, was the widow that was persistently going after the unjust judge. You, under, you, you remember that, right? You remember? Come on, you can talk with me. I don't know if I got to read the whole Bible to you. It sound like it. So this widow is persistently going after this unjust judge. And he goes, he, she goes after him, after this judge, and the judge ends up saying what? He says, yet, I don't, I don't, I don't fear God, I don't fear man, but yet, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest she continue com- coming, she weary me. That word weary. Because... <laughs> The philosophies of men corrupt the, the, those that at the time that translated the Bible. They, put, they translated this Greek word to, to weary. And that gives us the idea that what? She was going to nag him to death. Nag him, nag him, nag him. Right? But this Greek word for weary literally means to hit under the eye, to beat black and blue, to smite so as to cause bruises. Go look it up. So this judge, think about, this is when women had no authority. They were seen as property, second class citizens. And not only was Jesus saying that this woman was going to beat up this man, but this man was a person in authority. He was a judge. This unjust judge was not worried about her nagging, as we're led to believe, but he was afraid of being assaulted, punched in the nose, as he should have been. What do you think the women sitting around listening to Jesus preach, you think they kept silent when they heard this? I think there was some cheering, because they knew, they knew, they were way too familiar with the bitter injustice of the world that they lived in. Jesus spoke of daughters of Abraham as much as he did as sons of Abraham. In Mark chapter 10, verse 5, it says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing Jesus compared himself to a mother hen gathering her chicks. No rabbi would ever have compared the Messiah to a female hen, a female chicken. But Jesus was no normal rabbi. He was the son of the one who made both men and women in his glorious image. 
Jesus discipled women. Remember what we said that in, during Jesus' time that it, women were not allowed to be taught the Torah. And Jesus actually accepted women as his disciples. He welcomed them into his circle and trained them. And this would have been unthinkable of the rabbis and the sages of his day. The rabbi, rabbis of Jesus' day said that it was better to burn the words of the law than to teach them to women. But Mary of Bethany crossed that ancient line. When she stepped across the threshold and entered into the front room where the men normally sat and placed herself at Jesus' feet like a disciple. And Jesus not only welcomed her and, and commended her courageous act, but he encouraged her sister Martha to follow in her sister's example. One thing people don't realize is just how many women followed Jesus. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 48, it says, But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples. Who's he stretching his hands out to? His disciples. And said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of the Father in heaven are my brother and sister and mother. So when he said this, was he calling Peter, James, and John his mother? Was he calling Timothy his sister? Not Timothy. Thomas his sister? No. He was speaking to the women that were his disciples. And on the cross... In Matthew 27, 55, it says, And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee ministered to him. Were, were there looking on afar, among whom was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, or James, and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Some of Jesus' fam most famous teachings were uttered exclusively to women. Like the one that we just seen. That true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That was spoken only to a woman. Jesus commissioned women to preach the good news. On, one, on a hot, hot afternoon in Samaria, Jesus met this woman by the well and told her that he was the Messiah, Messiah she was waiting for. She was so transformed by this encounter with the Lord that she left her jar of water and became an evangelist. And what happened next? In John chapter 4, verse 39, And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of a woman who testified. This is against all cultural norms. He told me all that I ever did. This was during a time when the testimony of a woman was not worth anything. When she took off to that city, Jesus didn't say, now hold on. Hold on, sister. 
I can't build my church with a woman, preachers. And you know what? We're all, male and female, are inspired by her example today. After Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to three women. And they were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and the Mary of the Mary, the mother of James. And in Matthew 28, verse 9, it says, And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there I, I, they will see me. So here's the question. Why did Jesus not tell the disciples Himself? Peter and John came to the tomb. Right? They came to the tomb also. And, G- and Jesus did not reveal Himself to them. He, he announced His risenness to women and instructed them to go tell others. See, Eve was silenced at the fall. She spoke And the fall happened, and she was silenced. But women got their voice back at the resurrection. Go tell. Is is that not the essence of the Great Commission? All the followers of Christ are exhorted to tell the good news that Christ has risen. But the first to be called were women. I guess Jesus wasn't opposed to women preachers, even if his church might be. Jesus began his ministry by listening to women, and he concluded it by conversing with more women. Right? He began his ministry by listening to his mother. That's the first time he was glorified, right? Turning the water into wine. And he ended it by commissioning women to go tell the good news. In between, Jesus spent a great deal of time engaging, discipling, and ministering to women. He treated women with respect. He defended them against bullies. And he trained them to be full-fledged partners in his ministry. Before Jesus, no one treated women like this. And because of Jesus, the world would never be the same. So the question arises, see, these things, questions arise, right? Because this is so contrary to the worldview that, we, that we've, we've been given. Because we do not line our worldview with Christ, but with the philosophies of men. So a natural question is to say, you know, if, if, if Jesus wasn't sexist, why did he choose 12 men to represent him? Is it because that only men can be leaders in the church? You'll find out in part four when we continue our teaching the gospel to women. It's just amazing that Jesus come to set people free. All people free. 
whether you're a Gentile, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a male, whether you're a female, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're free, whether you're a slave, He came to set captivity free. Everything that the fall did to humanity, Jesus turned it upside down. They truly, they truly, they were truly right when they accused the disciples that the ones that turned the world upside down has come here also. And I'm telling you, what the world thinks is upside down is right side up. Amen? And I'm, te- and I'm telling you, we see this more and more. And the church needs to support our women as they're standing up and taking their place. They're speaking out at school board meetings. They're getting, um, they're getting into the political offices. They're, they're becoming more and more vocal on social media. And, and God gave them that voice. I would really like to teach some more stuff, but we can't. But this is good news. This is such good news. And, and, and men, anyone, anytime, <laughs> we really need to check our own hearts and our own motives when we elevate other people that we somehow feel like we become lower. We, we have to check our motives. Because we are all one in Christ. We are one. Jesus prayed that we would be one as He and the Father are one. And it's messages like this that will make us one. We are to be one. How many is in one? One. Right? We're one in Christ. One Spirit. And, 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 and we're going to cover all those difficult Seemingly difficult verses here in the coming days. Um, the next next thing we're going to look at is what what did the apostles think about women in ministry? And we're going to be going through the Book of Acts and and and, and seeing what what women's involvement was in the church at the beginning. Right? It's good. It's good. We 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 need we need the church to be whole. And if, 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 if half of the church, over half of the church, feels that they are less than or they are disqualified or they do, they, that God can't use them the way that He uses the rest of the church, it puts us at a huge disadvantage. A huge disadvantage. And there are many battles against the kingdom of darkness that need to be fought that I guarantee you, just like this one that we're celebrating today, Roe versus Wade, that men, you won't have the guts to fight. And we need godly women to not only fight the fight, but mentor and engage with our culture. Amen? Amen. Well, it's Mother's Day. We love our mothers. We're going to pray a blessing over you guys. And uh, so, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the women of Karis New Testament Church, whether they're mothers, grandmothers, or, or just women of God. And we just thank you that you have created them in your image, 
that you have, you have baptized them in your spirit, that the greater one lives in them. And Father, we thank you that you have given them gifts and talents and abilities. And we, we, just, we just stir those gifts up. We flame those gifts in the name of Jesus. We, we thank you that you're going to lead them into the, their divine callings. And that where you lead, you equip and you provide. And so we just bless them in the name of Jesus. We bless them in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for them. What a vital part they have been in, 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 in this world. And we just ask that, that the best would yet to come when it comes to our women. We just love you and we praise you and we bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.com.